OTB GAA. Through when Mike retired, I became the heaviest player in the dressing room, so I was often on Paul Gadden's back before we games. <laughs> Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. The Women's World Cup Show on Off the Ball with Sure Nonstop Protection Deodorant, official sponsor of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. All right, it's time for us to get into it. We'll be talking about England with Fiona Thomas a little bit later on. But first, our own Kathleen McNamee. Kathleen, how are you? Uh, I've had better days, Jerry. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I'm I'm uh, sat in Perth Airport at the moment after my second cancelled flight. I was supposed to fly out yesterday evening and my flight got cancelled super last minute. And uh, when I arrived at the airport today, they said my flight had been cancelled again. So I have been sitting here for the last six hours, I think now, and still have a good while to go. About another four before I manage to get on a flight and I have to go to Melbourne and then to Brisbane rather than straight to Brisbane. So oh, <laughs> a long night ahead. Yeah. Yeah. It's not been great. Although this is good. This will entertain me for another 15 minutes because I think I've done everything that there is to do around Perth, Perth Airport. Uh, Perth just had one of those kind of when you arrived and the experience there and the spawny goals that they scored against us. It has been one of those like it's going to go down in Irish sporting infamy. Yeah, it very much is. And I think everyone kind of feels that. Like, I know when I was on AM with you guys, you asked me what I thought of Perth and I was a little bit hesitant <laughs> to give my feelings. Everyone I've talked to has said that, like, the trip here has just been not what we expected. We had the good moment of the McCabe Olympico, but uh, past that, it has been it has left a little bit to be desired. Most of the rest of the Irish crew managed to get out between last night and this morning. I think I'm the only one still left struggling to get out of here, but hopefully, fingers crossed, if anyone has any gods they pray to, uh, they can pray to them and hope that I've managed to get on a flight this evening. So your ultimate destination, am I correct, Melbourne is the end point of your next... Brisbane is the end point, okay. so I have to go via Melbourne. Um, the flights I had booked were all just straight to Brisbane, which is like four and a half hours, but now it's like a three-hour flight to Melbourne in like two and a half hours, I think, on the other side then onto Brisbane. So, yeah, I'm going to arrive at about 8.20 in the morning, and then the Ireland Media Day kicks off at 10 a.m. So um, if you get some slightly tired interviews coming back tomorrow for the weekend show, <laughs> everyone will know why. <laughs> right, and is this uh, uh, the literal representation of how everybody's feeling a little bit now that the opportunity for us has passed? I think so. Like, it's kind of weird because like after the game, there was obvious the massive disappointment from all the players, but the the general feeling was also will go again. And I think like I watched the game last night between Canada uh, or sorry, between Australia and Nigeria, surrounded by quite a few Irish fans. Uh, also who had all been stuck in Perth and like everyone it almost gave everyone a bit of a lift because it puts a bit more going into our game in that if we beat Nigeria it has a massive impact on the group and who goes through so I think that is going to light a little bit of a fire um, underneath people and from what I've heard from the crew that have made it as far as Brisbane there's a good feeling around the city like a lot of the fans are in good form so I think the next game is probably going to be a bit of a celebration of what this team has achieved in the tournament and everyone's just going to make the most of it while we're still up here. Yeah, I mean, it has ultimately been the uh, group of death. It turns out Nigeria are way better than we thought. They, you know, All the pre-tournament difficulties they had, they managed to work out this whatever in the first game and then absolutely explode into the tournament yesterday. 
yeah, I mean, the game last night was probably one of the best games I've watched. USA and Netherlands probably came kind of close, but just in terms of the amount of goals, the goals that were scored, the general feeling, uh, I, I kind of like, I do question was that Nigeria were particularly good or Australia underestimated them so much that they didn't really have a second game plan. Um, I think like having watched, it's kind of hard to have assess where Nigeria at because the last couple of times that we've seen them play, it's been quite a while ago and, you know, they haven't had a lot of warm-up games. So it was really hard to know what they were going to do coming into this tournament. And when you saw a player like Oshwala on the bench, you're like, okay, maybe where are those goals going to come from for them? Turns out they have plenty of people that could score goals anyways. Uh, but I think the game on Monday is going to be really, really interesting to see what Ireland do, having already played Australia and the way that Nigeria made them look not great at times. It could cast quite a different shadow across the whole tournament and like how Ireland actually fared in it. Yeah, I mean, it, maybe it feeds into the whole discussion about how many changes you make and how much opportunity you give to players who are in the squad. It's like, well, make too many changes here and the team are going to smash us. Yeah, exactly. And I'm very much of the opinion that I think a win is really, really important. Uh, someone put it really well last night when they were saying, you know, when the history books write about this and when they write about Ireland, they're either going to say they went to a World Cup and they lost three games or they went to a World Cup and they won one and put in two good performances. And that does matter at the end of the day. So I would very much be of the opinion that like we shouldn't change two things too much at the start anyways. And then maybe as the game goes on, it might warrant it or maybe we'll do something class and get a couple of goals and then you might bring on a few players. But I do think that getting the win for us in our final game is going to be really important about how this tournament is viewed and how this team is viewed in the months, weeks, years to come. Uh, has anything more emerged in terms of long-term planning here or has your instinct about what happens next evolved over the last 24, 48 hours? Not really. Like, to be honest, even before I came into the tournament, I had a feeling that this was going to be a bit of a last hurrah for Vera with this team. And I think that unless she had done something particularly spectacular, during the tournament, that was always going to be the case. Um, and I think, like, it, it feels, to me anyways, it feels like a natural ending and a natural time to start a new chapter for this team. I think that there's just been so much baggage over the last couple of months that they need that fresh start. And I know I've heard from different people that there is that feeling in the team as well. So I do think that this could be one of the last games we see Vera as manager in. But, I mean that could change very quickly as well. She has said herself that she does want to stay on. So it really depends on how the negotiations between her and the FAI go and what I suppose the FAI want for this team going forward. Um, to go back to one of the other things that we've been talking about over the course of the tournament so far, and that's just how much crossover there's been to the general Australian sporting public. Now that there's massive jeopardy around for them, has the coverage ratcheted up? Because they do, the Australian media do like an old crisis. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't noticed a massive difference since it's happened. I think because there's so much going on at the moment here and a lot of the coverage that I've seen is around like rugby league or it's around like Bledisloe Cup or AFL. I haven't, I was like scanning through the papers this morning expecting complete doom and gloom, but it was actually what not really front page stuff. You know, there was other more local stories that were hitting the front page a little bit more. Um, I think... There was a general impression from on the ground here that they thought they were going to, you know, kind of topically come out the other side 
performed really well against all the teams because they were the only team that didn't come into this tournament with any sort of struggles. But when you look at the history of hosts and how they perform in World Cups on the women's side anyways, like only one host has ever actually won and that was in 1999. So um. I think last night, if anything, probably put more of a dampener on people's hopes rather than actually ratcheting up the tension and thinking going into the Canada game, okay, we, we really, really need a result here. Uh, the other part of this is the pecking order is beginning to be established with the rest of the tournament. Are we surprised that America aren't uh, further ahead of everybody that they ended up drawing last night? Not particularly, to be honest. Like I know I said when I was doing a lot of previews going into this that I would never rule out the US as a potential winner just because they come into these big tournaments and they perform incredibly well. But this team has been developed really strangely by Andonovsky over the last couple of years. You know, there's a lot of really exciting young talents in there. Uh, Sophia Smith, for example, who scored in their opening game. Really, really great talent. But there's been a dependence from Blacko on very certain on certain players and an unwillingness to kind of give other people a chance. You know, like one of the big talking points was, well, why was there only one substitute? You know, as if that there wasn't actually quite a lot of stuff on the line yesterday. And there definitely are players like like some Lynn Williams that could come off that bench and do something really, really good for the US. Um, so I think it's not particularly surprising that they haven't fired on all cylinders yet and that wouldn't be particularly surprising if this was a really difficult tournament for them but also they've done this before where they've come in and been a little bit shoddy in some of the opening group games and then once it gets to knock out football it's like a totally different side okay so we're not reading too much into anything basically the big beasts will make their way through to the knockout stages and then we can start to assess where we are yeah, I think so. Like, even if you look at England, you know, that first game, they really struggled. And then I only caught bits of their game earlier, but it was a pretty, like, testy win. They've now lost Kira Walsh, which looks like a suspected ACL injury, which is absolutely massive for them. And I think a lot of people in England will think that if that is the case and she can't play for the rest of the tournament, that's probably their tournament hopes up in the air. Um, so, yeah, I think that... The big guns will definitely make it through to the next few rounds. It might see one or two surprises. I don't think anyone would have expected Nigeria maybe to be one of the teams going through, but they look like they're in very good steed to do so. But I think when it comes down to it, we probably won't be too surprised by the teams that are in those kind of final few stages around the semi-final and final. Yeah, okay. Um, just to go back to, to Ireland to wrap this up for now, um, is there anything that we can do to kind of inspire a better performance than what we've had a, a more lucky performance uh what like what all all being equal and we had to we had to get a result what do you think vera does is it stick with the tried and tested from her perspective or at this stage do you try something completely different i think she probably still has to stick with the tried and tested but it will depend on how heather Payne is as well in terms of that injury and if there aren't like the last we heard uh, out of the camp was that they had a recovery session yesterday after they flew back and then today was a rest day and that there was no updates on any of the injuries we do have a media day with some of the players tomorrow morning so we'll probably get like a bit more feeling there about how people are doing um i think if heather Payne can't play or like maybe only has a little bit in her I think Lucy Gwynn should absolutely start again she did like an incredible job um, and I think stick with the way the team played in that first half against Canada is what we need to try and emulate and what we need to try and like continue for longer I suppose and we haven't really been able to do that all that much um, I don't really know who I'd bring in that's there 
that I think would change things all that much. You look at the substitutions that came on the other day, you know, Abby Larkin, I think she's a great impact sub, but I think she should have came on much later in the game. Um, I thought Amber Barrett wasn't great when she came on. She looked really out of her depth. Izzy Atkinson put on, like, some of her passing just really, really wasn't good. And some of the other players were being forced into covering and helping her out rather than, you know, trying to get the ball forward and get Katie forward. So Lily Ag did play reasonably well, I thought, when she came on. Um, I thought maybe the shot that she took probably could have tried to play the ball a little bit more. But Rusha has been incredible this tournament, so I definitely wouldn't be swapping her out at this stage. So I think when you look at that bench, there isn't really a player that we can bring on that's going to change things massively for us. It's just about how we try and work out getting more goals, like the one Katie scored, or more opportunities to score and really taking advantage of them when we can. And as we all know, we don't really have the players to do that at the moment. So um, we're just going to have to rely on the tried and tested, I think. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's such a difficult situation for them to find themselves in where hope is gone, but they still need to go out and play for pride. And ultimately, that's very difficult when you're up against mm. a side who are coming off the back of absolutely smashing the hosts and um, riding that crest of a wave. So, you know, they've got to, yeah, they've got to get I that. Can't, um, I can't imagine what it was like on that plane because they went straight back after the game. Like, I cannot imagine what the mood was like. But I've seen, like, just through Instagram and, like, hearing different things from, from people in Brisbane and um, because the players are just kind of wandering about so you can kind of see them that a lot of them took today just to, you know, go out and about, have a bit of time with themselves or they're meeting up with their families. So hopefully some of the pride and the stuff that, say, like, the likes of us were seeing on social media or, like, what you were seeing at home in Dublin was kind of instilled in them today and yesterday and that they can take that into the next couple of days because I do think getting our first ever win at a World Cup as bittersweet as it will be it is really important and it will give this team something to kind of build on going into the Nations League um, in the autumn Sue Ronan was talking today on OTBAM about the potential uh, uh, sorry not the potential but the, the soundings coming from training where that there was a lot of focus on the defensive side and less focus obviously on the, the creativity side and scoring goals and that's one of the reasons why we struggle to score goals is because we, we don't practice it enough. Have you heard anything about that? Yeah, well I think you can even see it in when you talk to like say the likes of Katie or Megan Connolly about their roles when it comes to set pieces it really feels like our only avenue is still seen as those set pieces when we would be training someone like Amber Barrett, say, to come on and make a bit of an impact. Like when, if you're looking at very specifically the example of her coming on, she looked a little bit lost because there wasn't really any setup there that was designed to make sure she was getting balls or she was getting support to take those shots. And if tactically, if the team is looking at like, okay, we're, we need to go, it's like 10, 15 minutes to go, we're going to chuck Louise Quinn up into that front position. I think that speaks uh, like volumes about what the team is focused on. If that's our go-to option, you know, fair enough for set pieces, bring her up there, but that shouldn't be our go-to from open play. Um, and yeah, I think that's always been the talk out of this team. And I think it's something that's caused a bit of frustration at times. I know it has got us this far, but I think it definitely has caused frustration within certain players. The fact that we have always been so defensively minded and everything starts from that and there's very little opportunity to kind of develop a game plan beyond set pieces get Louise up high or trust Katie to make a moment of magic 
yeah, I suppose it's difficult sometimes when you've come from a situation where we haven't qualified and you want to build something and these are the foundations and now it may be the end where you don't get the opportunity to do that next uh, stage of development or maybe that next stage of development was never going to happen and maybe that's the problem and that's why we do need a new coach. Yeah, I think so. Like, I think the foundations that are there are pretty good when you look at, like, the squad that we have and considering the fact we did get to this World Cup and we are up against, like, tough opposition and it's why I feel like a breath of fresh air might be really important for this team because someone might come in and look at, say, our young players that are just coming into the squad. You know, we haven't seen the likes of Jesse Stapleton who just announced she's going to West Ham today. Jesse was obviously injured. I think there's a lot more to come, as much as I criticised earlier, from the likes of Izzy Atkinson, Abby Larkin as well. I think we do need that new person to come in and start developing that younger talent and developing new systems which are, you know, being built around them or at least built around their skills. Because at the end of the day, a lot of our players that are in that starting 11 are our veteran players and they're not going to be around maybe even for the next campaign. Um, So I think someone who can come in and help with that would be really, really important. Like I saw John Duggan tweeting about like, why wasn't this team built around the likes of Katie McCabe and making sure that she gets in the most central role possible. And I understand why like it hasn't been done in the past, but I do think our talent and development line is very, very different now to when it was when say Katie was breaking through. So maybe now is the time to bring someone in who can make sure that the history and the future of this Irish team isn't just stick Louise Quinn up with 10 minutes left to go and hopefully we'll get a goal somewhere. So uh, how many more hours until your flight leaves? Uh, I leave at midnight. So what time is it now? And it's like just after eight here. So another four hours before I leave. (laughs) A lot of reading can be done in four hours. uh... A lot of reading can be done. It thankfully, I do actually have access to some of the matches, so that hasn't been the worst. I was watching a bit of the China Haiti game before it came on, which is quite interesting. Kathleen, we leave it there. Enjoy the rest of your time in Perth, the hellhole that it is. <laughs> Thanks, Jer. <laughs> so, Kathleen McNamee live from Australia. The Women's World Cup showing off the ball with Sure Nonstop Protection Deodorant, official sponsor of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. All right, let's talk about England. I'm delighted to say Fiona Thomas of The Telegraph is with us. Fiona, good morning to you. How are you? Good afternoon, even. Sorry. <laughs> I'm on Australian hey, I'm time. <laughs> I'm all good, thanks. Uh, how would you classify the performances so far from England? So far, um, well, I think it was definitely a step up from the Haiti game. I think there was a lot said after um, the Lionesses 1-0 win over Haiti, their opening uh, game of the World Cup, which was far from unconvincing against a side that was, you know, ranked 50 places or below them in, in the FIFA World Rankings. Um, against Denmark, it was always going to be a bit more of a test on paper. You know, Denmark are ranked 13th in the world. Um, the 2017 European runners-up. Um, and it was a bit of a weird game. I mean, obviously they got the, another 1-0 victory. It was far from another polished performance. Uh, there were kind of fleeting glimpses of the sort of, um, you know, really positive attacking England side that we're so used to seeing. Um, but I guess that that big injury to, to Kira Walsh sort of soured uh, things, I guess, for the, for the England side. And it kind of really put a real dampener on, on the performance. It looked like she's done her ACL and certainly she, I think, mouthed the words, I've done my knee and... Uh, it, you know, it's just a horrific injury. The propensity of, or the preponderance rather of uh, ACLs at the moment is something that the players are calling for investigations into. And, um, you know, it's it's terrible for her. 
uh, that can have an impact on a team in the game. Like, are we are we prone to reading too much into you know it's a group game? Really, all that matters is that you get through the group stages and then start to find some form. Or do you think there is actually something more fundamental off at the moment with the team? It's a really interesting question because a lot has been made of you know these two sort of one their wins now. You know, a win is a win in tournament football. Um, and you know, as the kind of the rhetoric that's sort of been coming out from the England camp, it's you know, oh, we've got the three points, we've got the win, and we've got the result. That's all we wanted. Um, but I guess we're so used to seeing this Lionesses side win. You know, um, in in clear terms, you know, they were they had some phenomenal performances. You know, just a year ago, en route to that really memorable uh, European triumph, and I think. They have come on. They have come into this tournament with a big target on their back. Um, you know that comes with being European champions. And just kind of going to the point in your your question about how they would have reacted to to Kira Walsh going down. I mean that would have been a huge test for for this um, a, a huge test of this line of this team's character. Um, but I guess what we've got to remember as well that the build up to to England's tournament was certainly kind of marred it already by, you know, some key injuries to, to big players. We're talking former former captain Leah Williamson and uh, Beth Mead, who both did their ACLs, um, you know, ahead of the tournament. So um, it's, it's sort of not new territory for the Lionesses, um, but it will certainly be intriguing to see how they sort of bounce back back from, from this. The other thing is that sometimes you score early in a match and you get a little bit complacent, you come off what you're supposed to be doing. And again, because it is a group stage, it's hard to know what to read into that. Like if, if it had been nil all with 85 minutes gone and uh, we'd seen a winner scored, like the goal that was scored, you'd be like, wow, that was amazing. They managed to get their way out of this, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. I think, you know, what Walsh went down in the 37th minute of the match when England were, were leading 1-0 and indeed that's obviously how, the, how the, the game ended. And I think at that point they would have just wanted to get to half time, frankly. You know, it's not nice to see a teammate go down like that. And you, you could kind of just tell by the... The Walsh's kind of, you know, body language on, on the pitch when she went over, um, you know, that her players were immediately around her, consoling her. She was like almost get away, get away, like and mouthing the the words, you know, my tournament's over. And it was just sort of devastating to see. Um, and I think, you know, Denmark really kind of capitalised on that sort of dip in momentum, didn't they? And they really kind of came, came at them in, in the second half. And testament to the sort of champion side that we know England are, they really did kind of, you know, it wasn't pretty at times. It wasn't straightforward, but they they closed out the game and, and managed to get the win. We should talk about Lauren Jane's goal. It was absolutely spectacular. It was, wasn't it? And it came so early on. You know, they had that dream start. It kind of came out of nowhere, didn't it? And there'd been a lot of chat about Lauren James in the build-up to this tournament. You know, she she didn't start the the opening game against Haiti. A lot of people were sort of calling, you know, get this girl on the pitch. Um, and I, I see her brother, you know, the England and Chelsea star, Reese James, um, shared a nice little Instagram post after the match going, you know, here she is. Um, and yeah, it was a belter, wasn't it? You know, and the girl's only 21. She's got a big, big future ahead of her. And she was, you know, England's leading light in attack up front, I thought, today. Um, every time she had the ball, she did something with it. She was threatening and she just looks so physical when she's in possession as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I can definitely see her starting a few more games this tournament. Uh, what is the bandwagon of support like so far for the Lionesses at home? Um, obviously, there's pressure, there's expectation. So is it as big as you ex- expected it to be so far? Is there still time for it to crank up? How's that all going? I think there's still time for it to crank up. Um, I think, you know, going into this tournament, it was a, it was 
so no one really sort of knew how it was going to go with you know the time difference in Australia as I'm sure you guys are finding with with the Irish girls as well um I've certainly seen you know on social media um in in London and around the country there's there've been watch parties uh, in pubs you know in in the morning um and I think that will definitely ramp up once um once England do kind of hit the knockout stages and obviously it depends how far they go um but yeah I wouldn't say I mean we saw this with the with the Euros last summer it did, it kind of took a while for the whole nation to get into it and you know by the time that that really historic final at Wembley rolled around you know everyone was just simply hooked and it wasn't like that obviously in the groups so you know i think i think that's the nature with any sort of major tournament right whether it's kind of men's or women's sport it does kind of genuinely take take a bit of time to build and, and get eyeballs on the game but um i suspect yeah the further they they go the kind of more support that they they will be getting from from back home the time difference is is definitely i do think part of this where uh you know there is a match going sorry a pub going match watching culture that is just inaccessible for this tournament and it's difficult to judge exactly how much crossover beyond the football fans and sports fans it's got into like that next area which is obviously when the massive bandwagons get rolling. Yeah, I mean there's so many different ways you could look at this though. I mean I feel like you know over here at the minute it's we've just started the summer holidays in England and you think how many how many women and young kids are at home, you know, when you know we live in a society where you know, women are still kind of seen as the kind of care home home provider, aren't they? Um, you know, and we've got, um, you know, the the tournament on free-to-air TV over here on BBC and ITV, you know, three matches a day in the morning when, let's face it, kids are up in the school holidays. That's going to kind of capture an entirely new audience. And we know women's sport and women's football especially kind of has a, a, a unique female uh, following, a, a kind of a growing female fan base. Um, so I, I think it swings in roundabouts because, you know, that's definitely kind of positive from, you know, from an audience perspective. Um, but like like you kind of suggest, I do think that, you know, there will be kind of more people watching the kind of further, the, the, the deeper into the tournament that we get. Have the FA done a good job of capitalising on the success last year? Is that something that you can kind of begin to see having an impact? I, I think so. Um I think, you know, if you if you go back to this time last year, I think at this moment in time a year ago, no one sort of really thought that they could go all the way and do it because it hadn't been done before. Um, and it's not just, I mean, you, you probably see this with the Irish girls as well. Like the, the Lionesses is a brand. I think I saw some research recently that, you know, more people in this country identify kind of with the England women's football team as the Lionesses as opposed to the England women's football team you know it is that brand that the FA have done so well over the years to to create and and kind of grow um and it really has kicked off I mean post Euros last summer you know they sold out Wembley again against the USA they kind of announced that fixture within a week I think of of kind of them winning that tournament um and ever since then kind of the the want to, to be associated with the Lionesses their brand has just flown um, so yeah, I definitely think the FA have done a have done a decent job. I mean, you you'd have seen the news recently about the the dispute that they're in with the the bonuses, which hasn't really been ironed out. And the the players have been quite professional and diplomatic about it and said, look, we're going to park it now. We're going to revisit it once the tournament's over. Um, whether that would happen in men's sport or not, I'm not sure. Yeah, probably wouldn't. You imagine that um, they'd just go on strike and be like, okay, we'll fix this. But maybe maybe that's how the power begins 
they realise what the power is over a period of time and they, they get to a point where uh, actually we're just going to uh, ask for what we deserve. Um, but that's interesting to hear that there is at least a plan because I know there was massive funding made available. Uh, it's a, a bone of contention in Northern Ireland where there's no government at the moment that they actually can't draw down the funding for girls' football because uh, of the political impasse. Um, but you can really sense that there's at least some joined up thinking when the opportunity arises, we're going to put money into this and then you see an increase in participation and that improves the quality and that improves the commercial interest and it's a kind of rolling ball of momentum. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, the Lionesses have come out and said, we want to do this for, you know, future generations. We don't want, you know, the players of, you know, 10 years, 15 years time to be, to be in this situation. So they want to do, do it now. Um, I think the bottom line is that they've just realised their own worth you know, the, these players are, you know, making quite a lot of money now. They're, they're stars, they're role models for, for you know, young girls and young boys in this country. And they just want to, you know, set a good example, I, I suppose, and, you know, really kind of fight for, you know, future generations who are going to be playing the game. So in, in the context of the broader tournament, uh, as one of the pre-tournament favourites, notwithstanding the injuries they've had, um, mm. no one really seems like they're tearing up trees just at the moment, maybe the Germans. Uh, but <laughs> certainly America look OK. Uh, you know, Australia could be going out of the tournament. Uh, how how are they feeling, do you think? Or how how are football fans in England feeling about the prospect of winning this thing? Oh, it's a, yeah, it's a good question, isn't it? In light of all, you know, in light of the news today with Walsh going down, you just think, oh, you know, we're still waiting for her injury news. But, you know, as we've already discussed, it does not look good. And she is a massive player for that England side. I cannot, you know, understate that. Um, she's the glue that holds that team together. You know, everything kind of runs through her. She's the orchestrator, if you like, of that England midfield. And now they've got that big void to fill. I don't think in the context of, you know, what other teams have been doing, they'll be bothered too much by what the USA have been doing. You know, USA are heading for a, well, they're hunting a, a third consecutive title. And the Netherlands really pushed them kind of the other day, didn't they? Um, I thought Australia would be going better than they had. But then, you know, maybe that's the, the pressure of being a, a co-host. I'm not sure. Um, I don't think, I, as, you know, as, as far as the Lioness is concerned, I don't think they'll be looking too far ahead too soon. I know that's a really boring thing to say. Um, but Serena Wiegmann is a very kind of focused, kind of calm individual. You know, she comes across very pensive in a lot of her interviews. She kind of says what she wants to say and she says it in a very sort of diplomatic manager, um, diplomatic way, sorry. And um, I think, you know, she will be crucial into how this England side might bounce back now from that that Walsh setback. Um, you can sort of, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in that England dressing room post-match and, you know, and indeed heading into... Um, you know the the China game that they've got. Um, so yeah, it will be it will be intriguing. But I agree with you. I don't, I don't think there's been too many sort of oh god, wow, yeah, they're going to win matches. Do you know what I mean? It's been um, it's been interesting so far. USA are still the favourites. Spain are second favourites, and then Germany and England are, are joint third favourites with Brazil fourth. But um, like that now, there's obviously a significant period of time before the next match that matters, the the third game, because they're already through. Um, is that an opportunity to bring a lot of players in and give them game time? Or is it more important that you don't change the team too much? What do you think happens next? Well, Serena Wiegmann being Serena Wiegmann, I'm sure you might be aware, she doesn't like to tinker with her side too much. I mean, she's, we saw two changes today. 
um, which everyone was like, oh my God, she's made a change because, you know, she stuck with her whole same starting 11 last summer um, en route to them winning that, that Euros final. Um, but I guess, you know, the changes that she might potentially have to, to make for that China game will be enforced because of, you know, Walsh's potential absence, which is looking very likely, as we've said. Um, so this, we're gonna, this is going to be a huge test of not just England, but of Wiegmann's kind of managerial tenure um, with the Lionesses because she's going to be in a position that she's not faced before. So, yeah, China, you can never sort of count them out. They, they've been a force on the a force in the women's game for, you know, over the past decade um and there there can be a bit of an unpredictable outfit so we'll have to we'll have to wait and see but i'm sure it'll be another juicy one and she won't make changes even though they're already through or is that just like a um i i want to say i'd struggle to to see it i mean she's not she's not really one to kind of uh we'll, we'll give this player a bit more tournament experience because she's not had much you know she's not you know i think i think she'd want to kind of keep things as sort of tight as they are and consistent as they are you know consistency is Serena Bigman's middle name um so I don't think she'd want to you know in light of the the, kind of the, the flurry of changes that have kind of happened to this England squad um in light of the, the spate of injuries that they've been hit by over the past what eight months since the Euros I think she'd want to keep things as consistent as possible so yeah, I, I can't really I can't really see it. But, you know, in light of Lauren James scoring that that scintillating goal today, I think, you know, she should be definitely, you know, definitely worth another another throw of the dice next next Tuesday, maybe. All right. She's definitely in the team. Fiona, good stuff. Great to have you with us. Thanks a million. Cheers. Thanks. Take care. That's uh, Fiona Thomas of The Telegraph. There. You've been watching the Women's World Cup showing off the ball with Shore Nonstop Protection Deodorant, official sponsor of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. The Women's World Cup Show. On Off The Ball. With Sure Non-Stop Protection Deodorant. Official sponsor of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023.